The Ask the Dog Guy podcast is brought to you by the Power Steering Dog Training Collar, and not to mention a very good pairing, the Easy on the Hands Dog Training Leash. In this episode, we have a 10-year-old pug beagle cross that has suddenly started peeing in the house. We'll look at some of the reasons for that behavior and consider what we might do about it. Today's dog is a dog named Maisie. She's a pug beagle cross, a female spade, currently 10 years old, and they've uh, had her since she was just eight weeks of age. Dear Ask the Dog Guy, Maisie, our female dog, is 10 years old and has begun peeing on the rug in the living room. She's trained to use the doggy door to go outside to use the bathroom. We have had no problems with her peeing in the house until now. Maisie sleeps with different family members depending on the night. We have to leave our doors open because she will typically wake up anytime from 5 a.m. before anyone's in the house is awake. She goes to bed whenever we do, which is typically around midnight. We try to get her to go back to sleep, but she refuses to until she's given breakfast. She's a very food-motivated dog and will whine until she's fed. The typical routine has become my mother feeding Maisie when she wakes up, opening the doggy door for her and then going back to bed. While her sleeping habits are not ideal, my mother has learned to tolerate waking up early to feed her because she can go back to sleep. After eating, Maisie will typically go outside to go to the bathroom and then either find someone's bed to go back to sleep in or just sleep on the couch. Maisie is allowed in the living room and on the couch and spends lots of time in the room. After the two oldest daughters went to college, Maisie was caught peeing on the rug in the living room a handful of times when she thought she was alone. She's a very intelligent dog, so we suspected that she was peeing because she was upset that the, other, that the two older daughters had gone off to college. This suspicion has proven false because both daughters are home for the holidays and peed on the rug this morning. One's assuming that we're referring to the dog again. Interestingly enough, the rug is in the same room as the doggy door. I have been reading some articles about how we should not place human emotions onto our dog because it's unfair. The articles also state that the typical reasons dogs will pee inside is because they are anxious, bored, or have pent-up energy. Additionally, another reason could be that Maisie is experiencing some health problems. Maisie has been examined by a vet several times in the last year, though not for this specific issue, and she is in great shape for her age. It should also be noted that Maisie is not a typically anxious dog. She's also not a very active dog. She is a puggle and her daily walks have been all that was needed in the past to get her energy out. My assumption is that she could be bored and she's peeing because the rest of the family's not downstairs with her. Any advice, tips, or intervention would be very much appreciated because my mom is tired of cleaning up the mess. That's Tori in New Jersey, the USA. As a rule of thumb, if a dog has uh, been considered house trained for an extended period of time and there is a, a a sudden change where they start doing what I call it leaving a a pee male or more rarely a poo male um, it's usually for one of two reasons and uh, uh, or a combination of those reasons sometimes although not as frequently um, the first reason is uh, a change in their overall routine and this is more for dogs that are by nature, a little bit more like an old soul or, or, or anxious. Um, they, they, they suffer from anxiety and things like thunderstorms bother them, that sort of thing. So just an overall sensitive dog. So they, uh, but that doesn't mean right across the board. It just means it takes less to throw them off their game than it does a dog who's a less, uh, less hardwired for anxious or, or been uh, set up to become anxious. Um, 
but the first thing that you should always check are, are physical problems, health problems. Uh, particularly now we've got a dog that's 10 years old and so entering you know the twilight years here um, it, it's more likely that things are uh, uh, there's that there may be some underlying undiagnosed thing that's bothering the dog but um, I mean the only thing we can do here is is actually uh, test for certain things and see if we can eliminate it with uh, uh, reasonably uh, and, and take it off the board when I ask clients uh, is your dog house trained um, when they say yes, when you ask a few more questions, usually what you find out is the dog isn't house trained as much as they're house trained. Uh, they'll say things like, uh, uh, you know, well, the dog goes to the door and does the pee pee dance or it whines or it barks or uh, they do that ring the bell and uh, stuff like uh, all of that's like the ring the bell stuff. That's what the amateur dog training world brought to this. Um, like I'd rather not lose an opportunity to structure my dog's day in a way that uh, reinforces, hey, I'm the teacher and you're the student. And um, so I, I, my preference for, for house training, for what it's worth here, is uh, is I'd like a dog that goes on a schedule. And, and I, I know physiologically that uh, by the time a puppy is 10 weeks of age, they can sleep through the night. By the time they're 16 weeks, if we're feeding a good quality food and it's on a schedule, and we're sort of dotting our eyes and crossing our teeth. By the time they're 16 weeks, they can go, they, they can hold it and they uh, they don't need to go probably more than three times a day. Uh, three times a day. Yeah, no, sorry, three times a day. Um, so um, that, uh, why do that instead of the, them doing the pee-pee dance? Well, life gets complicated. And I think the more, because they'll start, you, your, your dog will be doing the little pee-pee dance and you'll let the dog out, but they wanted to go out and chase a squirrel or something. And life is complicated enough for the average person. So I like to get it right structured. We, we've got our exercise times, but we have our bathroom times. I like to teach them because you're, you're teaching them something, you're teaching them to go to the bathroom when, so I teach them where as well. I like to, a puppy to learn to go to the bathroom in one spot three times a day and then you don't have landmines to clear up all over the yard and uh, you go on walks so you don't have to carry the poop bag around and like some people they take their dog out for a walk and they poop and you know nobody likes that but you like the, your neighbors don't want your dog to poo on their lawn they want your dog to poo on your own lawn and you clean it up because if they've got kids they don't want that and you don't want to have to carry poo bags around anyway so anyway there's lots of good reasons for structuring it not just for practical reasons but behaviorally speaking it does start to shape the direction of who's the teacher and who's the student in uh, something you got to do anyway so um what we do find and, and this is certainly with this dog is and you know this kind of breed of dog is uh, well it's not really a breed it's just a cross but uh, um, it's the sort of dog that we get more as a very relaxed companion and our approach to structuring their day and uh, training is one where the dog certainly in this case I would say that this dog believes uh, that the status in the household that we're all just all roommates and I believe that dog probably thinks it's got the seniority over the other roommates everybody's life is kind of revolving around that dog and so um, the reason I think that's perhaps a, diff a problem is we need to change something now something fairly serious and when you're trying to influence the behavior of anybody like a child or a dog it's kind of nice if they see you as a loving authority figure as opposed to 
just somebody they live with. So when you leave it this long, it can be a lot more difficult to make uh, to make that transition. So if this turns out to be strictly behavioral, I mean, I got some suggestions for house training, but if you, you can alter things in your dog's day, just a little here and a little there, that just gently takes away the roommate impression and they feel just as loved, but they start to understand, oh, this is your house and I live with you, as opposed to the other way around. And then it's just a little easier to nip things in the bud. Earlier start, uh, certainly <laughs> uh, it, it's a lot easier. And it's not that you can't do it with a 10-year-old dog. It's just that, uh, you know, it's, that's 10 years of knots in the leash that you have to undo. Now there's a reference, uh, a suggestion that perhaps this was caused uh, by a change in the dog's routine, which is always a good thing to look look for. And the suggestion was when the daughters went off to college that that might have been the trigger. And then it was dismissed uh, as proven false because the dog did it when they came back. The uh, th That's not proven false. That's probably more of a, uh, a confirmation because it's both are changes in the dog's routine. Like anthropomorphism is, it's an interesting concept because you certainly in, in the amateur dog training world, they get, a, a, they either do it or they don't really understand what it means. And then they start dismissing some things that they shouldn't. Uh, anthropomorphic behavior uh, is, that's when we attribute uniquely human characteristics. And uh, so that would like, putting clothes on your dog. Uh, that would be uh, anthropomorphic, but when they don't need it. But there's a, uh, but, but when we look at something like, you know, how a dog is affected by change, that's not uniquely a human. And so particularly the more sensitive dogs. So I, I would, I, again, I'm leaning a little bit more in this case towards the health issues. And I'll say why in a second here. But I also said that it could be a combination of things. So uh, we all are able to handle uh, a certain amount of stress. And I call it like a stress threshold. So we have got a well or a bucket or whatever you want to call, which is our individual ability to handle stress. And different things in our lives take the take our toll. You know, so it's possible that uh, there's a combination of things. And when we when a dog hits a certain level of that, that threshold starts to to uh, to peak. Uh, that's where you start getting the P-mails and, and, and changes in behavior. So um, I don't think that's necessarily something that we uh, we should dismiss. When it's when it's just coming out of nowhere for 10 years, we may find if it's health issues we, and we're able to resolve those that, that this will go away because the dog's got a little bit more latitude for its overall ability to deal with stress. But for those of you watching that have, or listening, have, that have a, um, a dog who's, just a lot more anxious. Uh, you kind of have to be on the alert when there are changes in your lives and you kind of got to go back to basics all the time. Like that's where it'd be a good time to, like that's one of the reasons I don't like to retire crates. If, if you teach them a dog that it's a sanctuary as opposed to using it as a cage. Uh, so, uh, uh, or just dragging a leash around so you can supervise them a little bit more. Uh, sometimes you just kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to be a bit of a change in our life. We're moving or, or, or you know, am I, uh, I'm going on to a, a different work schedule or whatever. Uh, or you, you're, you're fighting with your family. Uh, any of those things, that's a time to kind of, if you can, get ahead of it and uh, just return the dog back to a stricter schedule and, and structure just so they don't fall into something that may become habitual by the time you get on top of it. 
So um, anthropomorphic, uh, as far as uh, the the daughter, because uh, I, I think she, they, uh, where's the notes here? It said that they'd read uh, that putting human emotions onto a dog is unfair. Uh, it is not. It is uh, putting uh, uniquely human characteristics on a dog that's unfair. So I don't think that that's particularly um, uh, unique. Uh, the, the articles that they read talked about anxiety, and I just touched on that. Boredom, um, that would be more a change in routine, I would think, unless they're talking about very, very early life, and I, 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 I wouldn't give that one a lot of weight. Pent-up energy, same, same sort of thing, Bo uh, boredom. So where do we go from here? Uh, the very first thing is you got to go back to the vets. You mentioned in, in your notes that, that uh, like it, uh, like it struck me as odd because there's she's in great shape for her age, but she's been to the vet several times in the last year. Um, usually, a healthy dog goes once a year. So uh, there's something missing here uh, that maybe there's something underlying. Um, or maybe you don't think it's connected, but maybe those reasons there's something connecting to this. So anyway, if you look at, uh, um, although maybe she was there for clipping her nails, who knows? Um, so uh, got to revet the, the the vet, and you got to do a deep dive. I think a lot of people set their vet and their dog up to fail because they don't really say, look, there's something significantly different in my dog's behavior here. She's never done this for ten years, so uh, a dog like this needs to have blood work done. And uh, they need to have x-rays. And, you know, any of these uh, squish snout dogs need to, uh, uh, there's a lot of things that we need to look at uh, to, to take that off the table. And even then, the dog can't talk and the vet's got to just go on experience. So sometimes y y you don't get it. I, I, just while I'm thinking of it here, when I talk about blood work, anybody who's watching this that has a young, healthy dog, Take that dog to the vet. Well, the next time you go to the vet, usually um, in North America, when they uh, give you your springtime heartworm medication, they always take blood because they won't give you the actual medication unless the dog's clear of heartworm. So I always suggest to people, when your dog is young, vibrant, healthy, tell the vet to take more blood and get a full blood panel. Spend the money. Have it on file as what your dog's health is. Because if Maisie's, uh, you know, they pull blood on Maisie here, the vet might go, you know what, it's, it's all in the norm. Uh, and then you find out, well, this one's a little bit close to the edge of the norm. And then if we compared it, you know, uh, blood work is like an average of, you know, often male, female, different breeds, different ages and stuff. Um, if you can have something on file that your vet can compare to, it might sometimes give us a little bit, in instances like this, just a little bit of a nudge in a, in a direction for further investigation. And as I say, x-rays and that sort of thing. X-rays, you know, again, vets have to wear a ton of hats. And, you know, when you go to your GP, uh, they immediately just start funneling into people who do things, then that's all they do. And so uh, you go to somebody who knows how to do an x-ray. That's all they do every every day. And then, then the x-ray goes to somebody who just reads x-rays. Uh, you can get that in, in, in when I've got a dog like this, um, I want to make sure the vet has a reputation for doing a good x-ray because it's not as simple as one might think. We shouldn't just accept that, oh, it's a vet, they know what they're doing. Nope, um, uh, they know what they're supposed to do, but uh, if you ever have a chance, like I have to talk to the people who, you know, they're, they're teaching at, uh, at a university level, uh, you know, the, the x-ray, radiology, you know, all that sort of thing, uh, they'll, they'll tell you. I mean, it's, it, it's science, but it's an art form too. So 
uh, when in doubt, make sure that the person taking the x-ray and then if they read it and, and they there's something obvious and you don't, that's fine. But if it's if they don't think there's anything there, have them forward it to the local university vet college because there's people on staff there that can look at it and they might notice something that might, you know, just be um, not a daily uh, problem for, for, for Maisie, but a periodic thing kicking in sort of thing. So that... Uh, so, so let's get rid of any chance that uh, she's having uh, um, uh, some sort of health issue. So let's say she's not. Well, um, or let's say she was, and now she doesn't. We fixed it. Well, we may have a dog who just kind of wakes up in the morning. This is a lot more convenient, you know. Just, well, I'll just go to the bathroom uh, on the rug. So uh, you, you kind of got to go back to basics. And so... Um, there's a few tricks, you know, they're kind of workarounds. I, I don't like workarounds. I, I like to get to the core. And I think the core problem here that I would look at is Maisie thinks you're a roommate. She's not going to listen to you uh, with your efforts or it's going to be a lot harder than it needs to be. And a lot more stressful. And we don't want to add stress to her if that's a, a bit of a trigger. So, but a few sneaky workarounds, that rug that she's soiling on, um, start feeding her on it. So her bowl is there and that's where her water is. Doesn't make a big difference with some dogs, but some dogs kind of go, geez, you don't want to do, uh, and so they start avoiding the area for that reason. Uh, another sneaky little trick is, you know, go down to uh, Walmart and buy some little boys, uh, like starter underwears. Um, and then you'd kind of put it on her at night and, and like her tail would go through the, uh, uh, the, the crotch hole there. and then if she soils, um, it's, it'd be a little messy, obviously, but she's got to live with the consequence. And this, these workarounds are when you can't be the consequence because the dog doesn't think you're, doesn't take you seriously. So again, don't like workarounds, but that might be. Um, other than that, um, I've got a, uh, there, there's a book on the store on, on house training that is, uh, uh, like normally what I've got is like a cheat sheet, which uh, I've got, it's somewhere on my website. You can, uh, for house training, if you can find it, it's, it's, it's a free download. And it just kind of breaks things down into every step where it's you teaching the dog and getting things structured in a way that kind of take the opportunities for accidents and almost eliminate them. Doesn't entirely, but you're just trying to win eight out of 10. So where you get the dog right back on the pattern. I don't know how valuable that would be with her because this is happening when there's nobody around. And uh, like, if you don't have a dog, like supervision's the key, eh? Like if, if uh, she's unsupervised at night, she's free to do what she wants. If she was crate trained and saw her crate as a sanctuary and not a stressful environment, then you could start using that. E even in your uh, bedroom at night and he, sometimes if the dogs if it's going to be a sudden change you put the crate on a table that's even Steven with the top of the bed so the dog kind of just thinks it's sleeping in bed with you but you eliminate the opportunity to go wandering around the house so um, again I, I first thing first here go to the vets um, and uh, uh, and be sure you tell not this stethoscope to the test uh, chest stuff you tell them this dog is behaving differently. Let's get this off the table. It wouldn't hurt uh, to get all that data and you find out nothing's the matter. At least again, you got a baseline. She's 10. She's starting to age into the latter part of her life. So you'll have something. Now, one thing I didn't mention here, 
because I didn't think it was it was possible. But for anybody else who kind of when they they saw this video and they caught the ten years, like a ten year old dog of this kind of genetics isn't what I would call old. It's it's older for sure. But you know, some breeds that would be kind of getting up there. So things like uh, um, dementia. Uh, th that's that's this is something that you you, you can see with a dog uh, that uh, their house training falls apart. Their training in general falls apart a little bit, and uh, uh, there are again. I, I think that what your veterinarian will do here. There's a there's a test. Uh, well, there's a, a series of questions that the veterinarian will ask you um, if they're on the ball um, to kind of get a, get a hint. Well, you know what? It might be this, and then there there are some. It's ironic. There's, there are better medications now for human beings with this condition because of dogs. And I think it was beagles, actually. So this is part beagle. Um, because the, the, similar, the physiological sim similarities of, on as far as the impact on a, 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 the brain, human versus dog, are so close that a lot of the, uh, um, uh, the experimenting is, that, that they do is with dogs. And so they, they go, oh, we've got to work with a dog. And a lot of those are... Highly connected, so dogs are kind of benefited. One of the few times dogs get benefited by being experimented on, but um, it just means that there are a lot more options for old uh, dog owners with older dogs uh, when it comes to that kind of uh, confusion type behavior as they get older. So hopefully, you find that helpful. And uh, you know, as usual, if you got questions or comments, leave them. You'll find hundreds of free articles along with the store for my training eBooks and the dog training collar and leash that I often recommend for those dogs that have you coming back from every walk with one arm longer than the other at askthedogguide.com. I'll include links in the podcast notes as well. If you have a question for Ask the Dog Guy, that's me, John Wade, you can send your question and ideally some accompanying example video to john at askthedogguy.com. That's john at askthedogguy.com. I'll also include some links in the notes as well. If you found this or any of my other Ask the Dog Guy free resources of benefit, or if you just like to be a supporter of science and common sense in companion dog training, you can buy me the occasional coffee or a cognac or maybe two via the buy me a coffee link provided in the notes.